everybody, welcome to Pretty Sketchy Podcast. I'm Corey, uh, and this is episode 25, and with me as always is acclaimed author and elite Pokemon trainer, Michael Marshman. How you doing, man? Yeah, I'm alright. Almost caught him all. <laughs> that one's actually not too far from the truth. You're still playing Pokemon Go. Like no, I'm not. I haven't touched that in ages. Really? I, sh- I swear you pulled it out the other day. <laughs> no. I don't imagine. Who was it then? Maybe it's someone else. Yeah, who knows? It was like maybe a week ago, two weeks ago. You sure? You're not fucking... Yeah, I'm pretty sure. All right. Yeah, well, I'm fucking... pretty sure I, like, I've opened it by accident, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been someone else. Oh, maybe it's not, not Ryan, is it? Nah. Oh, it doesn't seem right. Yeah. I don't know, but I'm sure someone whipped it out the other day and I was like, fuck. You know, that's... <laughs> That's commitment right there. Sure, that was Pokemon Go. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's Jacob. Maybe it's Jacob still going. Still living the dream. <laughs> oh, hang on. Let me just quickly check my audio levels are going. Yeah, we're all good. Okay, so um, welcome to the show. For anyone this is who's uh, here for the first time, what we're doing is Michael wrote a comic book. I am currently illustrating that comic book live on video so you guys can watch it. Um, and we're going to talk shit for about an hour. So... Uh, yeah, how you doing, man? What's been happening? Um, <laughs> a few things I want to get into, but um, <laughs> other than that, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. You doing good? Same old. Keep yeah, it, keep doing it good. Real? All right, that's good. As real as can be. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you got to delve into fantasy. It doesn't matter, dude. We all live in a simulation. Remember? So Elon Musk, oh, yeah. he's like fucking calling it like it is. And if anybody Universal would know, movies. it's him. <laughs> so, um. Yeah, so, alright, so what I'm doing today is I'm still working on, I'm not even sure what page this is anymore, <laughs> <laughs> so I got a, I think it's page six still, I've been working on it for the last couple of weeks because it has some complex sort of shit in it, um, and let me just see where I'm up to, next frame, I, I was talking to Ryan the other day about podcasting, <laughs> and uh, and uh you know and blogging and stuff like that and i sort of as i was talking i came to the conclusion that as this is a heavily visual podcast Mm. um i don't spend enough time talking about what i'm doing you know for somebody who wants to watch this to see how to draw things and stuff i'm just drawing i'm not letting anyone know what the ideas are or anything like that um and so i might as well sort of point out some of the things as we go along that are kind of interesting um at the moment, the interesting thing is I don't know what frame comes next because I've sort of gone a little bit off book with this page because there was too much stuff to fit on there. Um, and I guess I'm going Nissa grabbing medical supplies, bandages, antibiotics, etc. from a supply closet. Okay, so that'll be this frame here. Um, so I'll work out how to set that up. <laughs> that <laughs> almost that sounded like the sigh of a defeated man. Oh, it's just, you know... It's it may be a little bit outside of my comfort zone drawing in, in interiors, but we'll we'll give it a go. Um, I guess kids at home, first thing to think about is perspective and where you want to set the quote unquote camera, and then you just fill in the blanks. So I'll probably be fiddling around with that for a while. Um, yeah, but let's move on. So um, I guess probably the big news for both of us is that we've both seen uh, Blade Runner now, and yeah. that was. I mean, I. How would I describe it other than just it was fucking great, you know? I, I really dug the um the tone of it. I I really like the pacing. A lot of people saying, no, oh, it's a bit slow. It's like fuck you, man. It's the pacing is exactly how you'd want it to be. 
Um, yeah. The, it was visceral. The imagery was stunning. Um, I liked it that they didn't just make a whole new story and they just they tied in and completed um, uh, a Deckard story. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think everybody in it was great. Um, Ana de Armas is my new favorite thing in the whole world. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, yeah, but that's that's basically where I'm at with it. You tell us, tell us your philosophy on the uh, on the whole thing. Um, were you a fan of the first one? You were, uh, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Since, you know. Um. Yeah, I I loved it. I I think the day after I saw it, I came into work and I think like either you or Ryan asked me what I thought of it, and I I said it's probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like like oh, you shit. said, the 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 tone of it, the aesthetic, the the camera work, the acting, holy fuck, the acting, yeah, like yeah, it was a masterclass. Like, like who, who knew I mean, fucking Dave Bautista could pull that shit off? Well, look, I I always knew that he's somebody who takes acting very seriously. Ever since they started talking about him with Guardians, mm. um, and you saw the amount of work he put into, like most people who go into acting think, fuck it, I can act, and so they just yeah. go in and they read the script and they do what they got to do. But I think he's one of those guys who's very um, self-critical and he wasn't going to go into diverging from essentially what is huge melodrama of wrestling to um, the fine art of acting without some coaching. And I think he put a lot of work into training and coaching as if, as same as he would with his body, you know? Mm. Um, And, uh, and it's really paying off because he, he, like even in guardians, I mean, it's pretty, pretty obvious to say that he he kind of stole the show a lot in both movies mm. um but again that character's kind of over the top there's there's a certain amount of finesse to what he does but at the same time it's it's very loud and and big you know um, yeah and like yeah it comes from his wrestling background he probably used a lot of that in that character yeah yeah but so so but in blade runner his character is incredibly subtle and understated um yeah yeah and there's so much nuance in that performance that, that I think is probably above most actors. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, you know, there's this, there's certainly some fine, uh, I guess, finite quantity that or quality, I suppose that separates the men from the boys when it comes to fine acting, you know, there's certain yeah. people have it. Some people don't, and he seems to have it, you know, he just seems to be able to, um, you know, and again, even even the character, as understated as it was, and he's not like a man of many words, you know, um, mm. it, he just sort of he said so much with what little he got of of a actual showing of an actual performance. You know, it wasn't a lot of scripts, not a lot of dialogue. It was all demonstrated in his physical uh, performance. You know, yeah. I really want to watch that other clip. Um, uh, of of whatever happened before, you know what I mean? There's uh, there's yeah. like these little mini movies and shit. They're on YouTube, so yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll totally do it, but I just haven't got around to it yet. Um, yeah, sorry, <laughs> I totally butted in again. Um, oh yeah, no, it was just um, yeah, just everything about it. Like like you, I'm a big fan of the first movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I f- the kind of vibe I've gotten is if you if you're a fan of the first movie, you'll dig this one. Yeah. Because a lot of people that I've talked to that didn't quite enjoy this one either hadn't seen the first one or they didn't like the first one. Yeah. So, and I think that's a that, that's a credit to like the to Dennis Villeneuve anyway. Because yeah. 
like he he like I said, he captured the the tone and sort of feel of the original very well, and mm-hmm. just that sort of reaction um kind of proves it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I yeah. feel like um, I feel like there would have been a lot of pressure with this one because it is a fan favorite. It's it's one of the cult movies, like mm. outside of Star Wars and. Uh, I guess things like Predator and Terminator and things. I mean, this is obviously a bit more nuanced towards sci-fi, like hard sci-fi. Yeah. Um, yeah. But holy shit, you know, like if that's not a lot of pressure, I don't know what is. You know, <laughs> um, and and I think that he nailed the tone, the visuals. There was a little bit of an upgrade in the visuals, um, you know, to sort of bring it more in line with modern, yeah, modern techniques and stuff. Like uh, the one thing that I took away from Blade Runner is the big epic scale vistas of the buildings you know the big pyramid buildings and stuff like that they they really did look like models mm. um beautiful models like probably better than anything else that they had at the time um but it, it can't compare with um the complexity you can come up with in cgi you know and layering yeah. like depth of field and all that other stuff um fog effects and things one thing i've got to, i've got to watch the behind the scenes because i just want to know how they did so much filming in big open spaces where there was just fog backgrounds because you can't unless you're actually out in the fog like if they went to the one place on earth where it just fogs every day <laughs> to film it i don't know how the fuck they did it because it looked amazing and and uh smoke machines will only get you so far you know yeah <laughs> um but yeah it was uh definitely i was just that that's part of what i loved about the visceral sort of nature of it was just that thing even when they went to vegas it was the same again but different you know it was still it just had that sort of wasteland vista kind of thing where it was just sand and dust you know yeah um, which and is, it was all just like hauntingly beautiful mm-hmm. it was, yeah, i was yeah. it's a, it's a master class in beautiful filmmaking that's what it is you know yeah i have to ask though since you're a massive fan and fan of his and probably mm. jerk off to his picture but what do you think of jared leader uh good yeah I, th- I think it was over the top, but I think that's kind of what the, the story called for as well. You know, like a, mm. a reclusive, uh, eccentric, eccentric. Yeah. And I mean, who's more of an, of a, I, I wouldn't say that Jared Leto is reclusive, but he's certainly eccentric. Oh yeah. Um, uh, and I thought he gave just enough. Again, a lot of it was cause he couldn't really use his eyes so much. There, yeah. was, there was a lot of performance subtlety, that sort of came through as well. But I mean, for me, he wasn't the standout. Um, oh no, I don't think it was meant to be. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll, <clears> you know, I'll watch, I'll watch anything he does because I've never, he's never really let me down. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think I like, let me put it this way. I feel like they could have replaced him with just about anybody. Um, and, you know, they could have taken that character in a, in a lot of different directions as far as the appearance and the look and, you know, like, you, I mean, you could literally cast, if he wasn't already in the movie, Edward James almost in that role and it would still make sense. Yeah. You know, some old crotchety wrinkled up dude, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> in fact, it'd probably be more in line with, um, with, uh, thing. but the, the, I thought it was a weird, he's an eccentric guy who builds people, right? Yeah. Um, and yet he keeps his eyes fucked up. I thought that was a real interesting distinction. 
obviously they're at a point where they could easily replace his eyes, but he chooses not to. He chooses to have those weird fucking floating, like uh, yeah, Sony action cams. Almost. <laughs> yeah, no, but those little those little machines he had floating around that were his eyes. That's how he oh, saw. Yeah. You know, I guess it was tapping right into his fucking brainstem with that thing he puts behind his ear. Um, uh, maybe it gives him better sight. Who knows? But it, it just it was an interesting choice. It's like it's it's like he comes off as a bit of an artist and mm. uh an obsessive artist that's why he wants his creations to um be overwhelmingly the standard you know um, yeah by giving them uh like by, by allowing them the ability to create life which essentially would make him god i think that's what it is the god complex um, oh yeah because his creation goes on to self-procreate and become life mm. you know because i think that's the distinction because when you think about it the the replicants are they're genetically created they're not robots yeah. they're built yeah they're, they're they're grown genetically you know um and the one distinction that separates them from being human um other than their ability to process complex sentences without distractions <laughs> um is is their ability to create life you know and that's yeah. um that's pro that's the next step he's already got them perfected essentially he just needs that one final step to be become a god essentially mm. um and uh he did seem like the eccentric kind of dude who would be that way inclined so i guess thumbs up you know um yeah, but, yeah sure. um so i'm just trying to figure out this hospital <laughs> i just okay so for the people playing at home what i've tried what i'm trying to do is come up with a different perspective for this shot so you'll notice i've drawn a rough sketch of sort of where Nisa's going to be standing. I don't know what she's going to be doing yet. This is just a, a height guide, essentially. I've drawn a horizon line that's lower. So it gives the impression that the, the camera or the viewer is actually a lower, around chest height. So it's a bit of a more dramatic thing. I could actually lower it even more. Um, I'll put the horizon line sort of up higher and have um, it appear that the camera is low on the ground. Uh, I didn't want to go that severe with this particular shot, but... It's, it'll give the room a bit more things because it brings a lot of the ceiling into the sh into the frame. I can put some suspended lights to make it look like an industrial building, um, like a hospital, you know, that sort of thing. This is a doorway into the outside hallway. I'll put like a, a drink machine sort of cutting its way in there. Um, I'm cracked and fucked up. Um, yeah, but it gives you an idea of we're in a facility now. So, yeah, moving on. Um, oh, yeah, with fucking Blade Runner. Um, one thing... Oh, yeah. One thing came to my attention that has bothered me in the past and I completely forgot about it, but we need to talk about Hollywood and we need to talk about Hollywood's, uh, um, it's this, it's this undercurrent of disparity that no one talks about. And it's the fact that some of the biggest stars in Hollywood and most quotable, quotably attractive men have crooked as fuck faces. Um, I can't look at Ryan Gosling. I can't. I can't. And like, don't look at me, right? I'm not perfect <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. But this <laughs> motherfucker who is on the go-to list of most, you know... Uh, like sexiest man alive sort of thing. Yeah, like, you know, how many times has he been on the cover of GQ? I don't know because I don't read it. I'm sure it's many, right? He literally has one eye that's so high that you could fit another eye under it. <laughs> You know, and it would and it would be like it just it fucking blows my mind like and and they talk about 
you know, when you hear people talking about the beauty myth and stuff, they're always going on symmetry. People with symmetrical faces are more attractive. Tell that to Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Tell that to fucking, oh, who's the other guy? Um, uh, American Sniper. What's his name? Oh, fucking Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper is just as bad. I think it actually might even be the other eye. So if you put them together, they'd be this weird fucking thing. <laughs> um, came to my attention early on in the piece. Uh, I again, I can't look at Shannon Doherty. Her fucking faces. It's and and the weird thing is, like, I can some people's faces. Like, as as someone who draws, I notice these things. But most people's faces, in fact, almost everyone's faces are slightly crooked, right? They sit on your skull either a little bit this way or a little bit that way, or you know something's a little bit. You know, some people might have a bent nose. Some people might, you know, there's there's a lot of things that can happen um, environmentally. You could break something, have a fractured eye socket, something weird happens, um, you know, or you could just have a wonky eye or something, you know. Um, but essentially, most people's faces are relatively straight down the line. Everybody knows when they do those celebrity things where they take someone's face and they put one half of it on the other side and mirror it and they start looking weird, that everybody's a little bit crooked, right? Um, but it seems that there's certain people who just have an eye socket that's just in the wrong place, you know? And I can't, I, I, I honestly don't even know how they see. <laughs> I feel like they'd be seeing like everything, like just never ask them to hang a picture is all I'm saying, you know? <laughs> so anyway, that's my fucking cold hearted rant over. And look, you know, no judgment. People can look how they want. <laughs> but, and there's, there's, there's not really much you can do about it, but it's just one of those things that no one talks about. And it's, it's hard for me to, as somebody who draws faces a lot, I just can't, I, like, you know what I think it is? It's it's years and years of training where I draw a face and one of the eyes is out of place, I rub it out and do it again. I just want to go, Ryan Gosling, come, come here, come here, i got a razor here, I'm just going to fix that shit. Just, you know? <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, but fuck if it doesn't freak me out, you know. Um, but you know, again, he's a beautiful and talented man. We We should all be as fucking lucky as he is, you know. Um, you got to have something, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe Ana de Armas has fucking webbed toes. Who knows? <laughs> we'll, we'll probably never know, you know? Um, You'd probably find that hot anyway. Yeah, uh, webbed toes. I don't know, I'm not into frog chicks, you know? <laughs> All right, let me rephrase that. You're willing to look past it. <laughs> I'm willing to look past it. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah. Um, yeah, but anyway, that's my rant over. I'm sorry, people. I know I offended a bunch of people with crooked faces, but... So everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's just it. I mean, my face isn't symmetrical either, but boy, does it stand out. Like, you know, when I noticed it in with um with Bradley Cooper, it was in American Sniper. I was watching it. I got about halfway through the movie and I was feeling really uncomfortable. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then I and then I saw it. I'm like, oh. <laughs> anyway, let's dig ourselves out of this fucking pit. And or I oh, say, you need to dig. Yeah, I'll out dig of myself it. out I'm of this fine. pit. Yeah. Um. Talk about um, the Black Panther trailer. Oh, yeah. Totally mm. forgot about that. Yeah. So I watched it. It looks exciting. I got to say. Um, mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, it looks legit. And like, uh, I'm I'm suffering from Marvel fatigue. Like all these yeah. plots are just sort of melding into one. Mm-hmm. I'm getting sick of them. But judging from the look and the feel of this trailer, this seems to be like it'll be enjoyable. Yeah. Um I'm hoping Thor Ragnarok kind of breaks that mold as well. Mm-hmm. And judging from what I've heard, it kind of does. Yeah. I think it's supposed um, to be taken way less seriously. Yeah. 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 Um, 
But yeah, no, Black Panther looks mad fun. Mm. One thing I noticed though, because I watched it on YouTube, and me because I hate myself, I read YouTube comments. Oh, don't do that. Um, <laughs> and a lot of the comments were like, "Oh, what a what a poor choice of music." For the trailer, I didn't and even notice the music. There, there were a few that was like, "Oh, of course you get hip hop music to oh, play over the trailer that has black people in it." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's it's like hip hop is literally black people music. Like yeah, they, they they pretty much invented it. Invented <laughs> Why it. would you not do that? Yeah, it actually kind of makes a lot of sense that they would do that. Yeah. You know, in fact, would anyone complain if they were <clears throat> jazz? <laughs> yeah. All yeah. Exactly. The, all, all the great jazz musicians of like the the 40s were all fucking well that's not true there was big band jazz that was a lot of whiteies but uh <laughs> like fucking hell you just can't be happy that something no. like the, the studios have changed their tune to the point where they're like you know what we feel like we can have um uh an entire essentially entire black cast there's a lot of black like black people in that movie um mm. it's not like you have a, a key black lead character and a white sidekick and, and 30 yeah. other people it's like it's literally it looks like a black exploitation movie from the 70s it's amazing you know yeah um and it's like you know can we just be happy that we're at a point now where because like i feel like the general public have always wondered what the problem was how come we can't have all of these fucking um you know diversity and stuff like that and it's always been down to the studios being terrified that it will lose money mm. you know they're like oh there's not enough fucking audience for this shit or everybody you know like they, they just never wanted to move away from what works which has always been the status quo sort of um uh you know hollywood white washing kind of situation you know it's not it's not some insidious plot it's just the way that it's always been and it works so they keep doing it you know yeah um and so here you have an entire a story not only about like um with with a, a mostly african american or african culture sort of based cast it's set in a nation called wakanda you know like in africa um <laughs> it's fucking amazing it's like it's literally everything you could ever ask for it's it's not sort of it's it's going right back to to african roots you know mm. um i'm sure it's more of a global story than that but you, you get my point like it's um it's not shying away from anything to do with with that culture you know, and I'm yeah. like, that's exactly what's needed. It's the same. Everybody made a big deal about Wonder Woman, you know, smashing the box offices because it's a chick and this is going against Hollywood's fucking rhetoric that this stuff, we, we can't trust a female lead to do a big blockbuster action movie, you know? So they fix all that up and they do it and it works and everyone's like, see, but now what about this? And you're like, all right, we'll, <laughs> we'll move on to the black people next. And then next we'll do, uh, we'll make sure we get an all Asian superhero movie and, um and a lot of people are going to say it's diversity gone mad but no it's just telling good fucking stories you know yeah you don't need an yeah. all-white cast to tell a great story but i think where a lot of people sort of get confused is they think that it's the same thing to deliberately change characters or put people in roles that is obviously there for diversity purposes yeah you know it's like hey there's not enough asian kids in this film let's fucking put in a token asian you know um, mm. rather than just putting in a good character that happens to be played by Steven Yeun, you know? Yeah. Um, which is, I think he's, he's, he's largely responsible for breaking that mold too. Because the beautiful thing about The Walking Dead is 
it's never pointed out that Glenn's Asian. He doesn't have yeah. any Asian stereotypes. He's a fucking superhero amongst men. Um, and he's just, he's essentially just a fucking badass, you know? Um, probably one of the most badass characters in the whole show. In fact, I would say he, he would absolutely be. He's, he's just like an unstoppable fucking zombie killing machine with balls of steel who never fucking is, he's always the first person to volunteer, you know? Um, and that's, I think why Steven Yeun had became such a, a poster boy for Asian actors and stuff like that. It's because he, here's what we wanted. We just want some guy who's not fucking doing karate and, uh, drift <laughs> racing and fucking watching anime and not getting the girl. Yeah. That's the other problem. Uh, every time I see the ethnically diverse placed Asian character, he's always the guy who can't, he, he just struggles with women. You know, he's always like the guy helping the white guy get the girl because he's probably not going to get the chance, you know. It's fucking nuts. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's... I'm sort of psyched that that's happening. Uh, also, hey, there's a new movie. Um, what's it fucking called? I saw on Reddit, Stephen Ewan is lead in a new movie. Um, and, again, it's some sort of super violent... Um, it's almost, uh, from what I understand, it's kind of almost exploitation cinema. Um, but again, I think with some sort of, actually, let me look it up because it's it's important. It was, I think Rotten Tomatoes gave it 10. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like 10%? <laughs> no, like, like, oh, sorry, 100, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Steve, is it PH? I think it is, isn't it? I don't know. I don't watch The Walking Dead. I tend to watch good shows. Shots fired. Deal uh, with it. <laughs> telling it like it is. <clears throat> What's his fucking name? I can't. No. Don't look him up. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, quality content, people. Yeah, we're keeping it real. Mayhem. Yeah, never uh, heard of it. A virus spreads through an... <laughs> fucking hell. Whoever wrote this, it says, a virus spreads through a office complex. This is on IMDb, people. Learn to fucking write. Um, <sighs> causing white-collar workers to act out their worst impulses. But let me put it this way. The the uh, the post... Let me bring that up to the camera. The, um, the poster is Stephen Yeun at the top with blood all over his face. Some chick underneath him holding a giant fucking nail gun <laughs> and like just blood and police line do not cross stickers everywhere and an explosion of like green or yellow or some color, you know, and, and it says at the bottom, oh yeah, dudes in hazmat gear and SWAT team guys, someone punching somebody in the face. This is all just on the front cover image, you know, and it says balls to the wall, cinematic anarchy, a violent masterpiece, relentlessly entertaining. And, and the subline is a hostile work environment. <laughs> uh, mayhem. Hang on, let me look up Rotten Tomatoes. I'll see if it's still rating us. Rotten Tomatoes. Do, 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 do. This is hold music. <laughs> oh, fuck. Now I've got to pay foreign over 30 bucks. Um... <laughs> They could uh, use it. Uh, what's it called mayhem? I love a good simple title. You know, no one was brazen enough to use it until now. Uh, Post not found. 
There it is, 2017. 100% fresh. Wow. Isn't that cool? Based on how many reviews. Yeah, I'm trying to see now. No quotes. It's like one dude. <laughs> yeah, it's like literally Stephen Yun. <laughs> <laughs> um, it doesn't say. It looks like it's really limited, to be honest. But, yeah, um, fair but yeah, like for, <coughs> it came up on Reddit, and a lot of people were um, banging on about it, um, and a lot of people had seen it, and they would, they just were raving about it. You know, it, they said I can't remember what they were, they were comparing it to some other movie that's similar, but um, that other movie kind of sucks, <laughs> and this one's like just that movie that one should have been. Mm, um, okay. Yeah, but uh, I'm I'm definitely down to watch it for sure. So, um, Star Wars trailer, you want to talk about that? Uh, I'll let you talk about that. Because um, you're the one that, you were very hesitant to watch it. You you tend to shy away from it. And yeah. when you mentioned it, we didn't really talk about it that much either. So Here's what happened. I didn't want to watch it at all. I don't like watching yep. trailers anymore. I like to just go in cold because all my best movie viewing experiences have been knowing nothing about that movie. Um, and, uh, I, I, I listened to um, Fat Man on Batman, and they were talking about it, and I'm um, like, fuck, I'll just quickly just... Oh, they, they actually, they showed the trailer... No, sorry, it was Hollywood Babylon. Um, they showed the trailer in their podcast, and so I could hear all the audio, and the whole time Kevin's just going, oh, look at this motherfucker! Oh my god, this is the good bit, and this is when this shit happens, ah! You know, over the top, and I'm like, mm, fuck, now i got to watch it. <laughs> and to be fair, the audio did seem really ambiguous. It didn't seem to show a lot, like from yeah. what I was hearing. You know, yeah, a lot of it's music. I think it's just music and catchphrases. You know, yeah. so I'm like, ah, fuck it. I watched it on the way to work, and uh, I got to say, I'm excited for it again. Uh, like, I mean, I was sort of, I'm getting to the point now with Star Wars movies where I'm like, yeah, great. I know that there's more coming. There's no point mm. getting amped about it. It's not like we haven't seen one, and you know, we've had a Star Wars movie for the last two years. Yeah. Um. And this is going to be the third one in a row, you know. And back in the day, you'd wait twenty years, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and so people, people would get hyped. Um. Uh. Hang on, I'm, I'm trying to find that article from earlier, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Um. But it was, you know, it. What can you say about it? It really just showed enough to give you a bit of a Star Wars charge and get you amped, but not really anything about the plot or who anyone is. Although I did laugh. I think I told you this story. Um, Vanity Fair or whatever did a big color spread of all the actors. You know how they do that. I think it was Vanity Fair, yeah. one of those magazines. Big glossy. And the front, you know how sometimes the heading for the article will be a whole page written, like a, you know, just the, the headline. And it mm. said, who is the last Jedi? <laughs> and the director, like, um, whose name escapes me? He did, he, um, he just tweeted out hashtag Vanity Fair. He goes, Luke. <laughs> it's fucking Luke. What's, what's that in <laughs> You know, this has been a debate that's been raging for since, like, the name was coined. Everyone was like, do you think it's going to be, you know, this or that? Or maybe it's Finn. Who the fuck knows? It's going to be great, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, it's it's just it's just Luke. <laughs> Mark Hamill paid us to say that. Um, yeah, but... Um, I guess I, I guess they were expecting more fanfare. Yeah, look, my only real concern is that stupid porg. Is that what it is? That little bird creature that's porg, yeah. somehow found its way under the Millennium Falcon. 
that wasn't necessary in any of the other movies. I don't know why it's necessary now, you know. But you I, find out it's a baby Gungan grows up to be like oh, Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, it's, like, it's like Gungan larvae. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, no. Because uh, it was such a great idea the first time. Yeah, Misa, good. Yeah. <laughs> Misa had enough of that shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but, um, where are my notes? I was like, it's pretty much shit. Um, yeah, like, I, again, I, I don't want to talk about too much because really there's not much to say. It was good. I mean, obviously, Leia's still in it. All of her scenes were shot. Um, there's a lot of every once in a while and a lot of it's a fucking shit hidden in the in the in the score you know um but it'd be good to get back to another um uh dynasty movie you know like i i i i posted the other day why i thought rogue one was a perfect star wars movie um or a perfect star wars universe movie i should say because it obviously doesn't feature a lot of the canon sort of stuff but um and and it was because it just hit all the right notes compared to like the old series, you know. Mm. Um, and whereas um, obviously because I was watching the original prequel trilogies, or sorry, the prequel trilogies, and uh, and I just found them repulsive. I can't watch them anymore. Like we accepted them back in the day, and we were all excited to get Star Wars movies, but now we're spoiled for choice. You can critically go back and go, it's literally a soap opera. I mean, somebody mentioned that Topher Grace edit where he got the, all three of them and he cut it together as a three-hour film and got rid of all the bullshit mm. and i'm really i'm really interested to watch that because i can tell you exactly what he cut out and it's all that whole fucking anime uh, anime uh, anakin padme yeah. fucking anime that's their celebrity name <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know oh god it was taxing those scenes where they're out in the field and when she's eating the pear and he cuts it with the force and shit. Uh, Why are you talking about this? It just, it annoyed me so much, you know? I mean, just the, the only remaining scenes I can remember from the clone wars from the other night was, um, I mean, doesn't, doesn't everyone have a fight with Boba Fett and that fucking clone planet in the Jago. Yeah, that was cool. And, and, and even just the scenes with Django, when he goes into Django's quarters and he's like, Hey, boy, go close the door to the to the bedroom, eh? And he's like, yeah, that's my problem. And he goes in there and he closes the door. Even that was more exciting than listening to Padme Anakin whine about fucking, loose me together, Sanders chorus. Uh, you know, like... Uh. Not to mention the fact that she's like 10 years older than he is and it's fucking weird, you know? Yeah, it's creepy as fuck. Mm. Such they need the the Star Wars equivalent of Chris Hansen just to fucking put <laughs> him right in there. Episode one. Yeah. It's like Padme, why don't you take a seat over here? Yeah. But it was just it was just ugly, you know, like and it, it destroyed the, the mythos of of uh of, of Darth Vader. You know, they they were, I see what they're trying to do. They're trying to humanize him and go, Yeah, you know, he he wasn't always a monster. Um hmm. and you can do that without making him a giant pussy. You know, yeah. he could just yeah. be somebody who was, who was bold and brave and, um, wide eyed like Luke, you know, Luke was yeah. always, um, uh, like, you know, he, he always had a, a moral compass in a certain direction. You know, he was always, let's do good, man. Let's use the force to go fight the good fight. Oh, I just want to be on the front line. That's not a pussy. That's somebody who just is sick of sitting around doing nothing with their fucking hands in their pockets, you know? Um, you don't have to be, oh, I'm so in love and emo and shit, uh, Padme, you know, 
Um, and that's what you got. You got three hours of that bullshit. So I'm yeah. not afraid to say it anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling my truth, and that is that the original prequel trilogy sucks balls. Um, yeah. But, I mean, what? Like, if they were going to make a prequel trilogy, it should have been like episode one should have just been Anakin, young adult, Jedi trainee mm-hmm. in the middle of the Clone Wars. Yep. And just sort of lead it into like the shit that he goes through. Still have like the Padme love story, but as a sort of foundation for how he turns to the dark side. Like yeah, so, so more, more, more like, you know, he, something happens where he feels like the Jedi order betrayed him yeah. and that's what pushes him over. Well, I mean, they had to, they had to push their relationship hard because it has to be the reason Detra for him to turn to the dark side when Padme dies. Yeah. You know, he, that's that overwhelming sense of loss is what drives him to, to, uh, yeah, but they, they could have done it so much better. Maybe, maybe like she's she's like Naboo's under attack, but he can't go there because the Jedi Order forbids it, and they need him somewhere else. Yeah, she dies as a result, and he's all it's "fuck you, Jedi, go fuck yourself." Yeah, it's their fault. Yeah, yeah, done. I just wrote a better fucking prequel trilogy than George Lucas did. God damn, it would be so much better, <laughs> and and you could do it in an hour and a half. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there you go. That's starting to look like something. Um. See, the problem is I, I draw these rooms and stuff, and then I remember it's post-apocalyptic and everything should be fucked up. So the collar machine looks pristine, but really it should have a hole in it, and there should be another one next to it that's been pushed over. You know? Probably a few can, cans <laughs> on the ground. Yeah, a couple of cans. Fuck. Um, um, moving on from Star Wars, I'm fucking angry now. Um, yeah, so <laughs> <am I>. Fuck. <laughs> now, prior to this one, we were discussing what we are going to talk about in the podcast. You came up with some sort of gold. Um, <laughs> should I just read it out? Can you read the, the headline? Because oh, okay. it sounds like an onion headline. It wasn't really a headline, it was just a sort of description. But <sighs> Gerard Butler can't stop injecting himself with bee venom. After sending himself to the hospital the first time, he went and did it again. <laughs> there's, a, there's another line under it which kind of made me laugh. It's like, if we don't get him help, he might start snorting lines of fire ants. <laughs> What the fuck? Would he, where did you find this? Uh, cracked. Oh, Jesus Christ. Is this... <laughs> now, do, do you want the story behind this? Can I, please? <sighs> left, left with aching muscles after a 12-hour day filled with stunt work on the set of his upcoming film, Geostorm, which I heard is a piece of shit, by the yeah, way. Yeah, Nat wants to watch it. I, I'll probably get back to you at some point and let you know. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Butler skewed the traditional remedy of a banana and a couple of leaves and instead received 10 injections of bee venom. A wow. single shot is the equivalent of 23 bee stings. That's 230 bee stings at once. Oh, that would suck. Some believe the venom acts as an anti-inflammatory, which is just one of a half dozen claimed medical benefits, even though the scientific community hasn't yet thrown their full support behind a miracle cure or with the word venom in it now i'm curious because my arms are fucking killing me from the gym maybe I well, should just go uh, rather than ease butler's inflamed muscles the venom sent him into anaphylactic shock four days after being released from hospital he took another bee venom injection which sent him right back to the hospital why he's got <laughs> anaphylaxis that's an allergic response oh my he's God. allergic to bees and he's like you know what just hit me with more of that bee venom that sounds like the plan what the fuck oh, oh jesus christ <sighs> maybe he got like a three-day boner from it or something he's like yeah more of that less of everything else maybe he thought it was less painful than filming geostorm 
<laughs> less painful than sitting through it or reading the reviews. <laughs> Oh, oh Jesus Christ. Uh, Hollywood, man. You know, whatever. That's fucking amazing. That's, that's really good. And I want to I wanna fucking follow that one up with a bit more Hollywood news. We need like a Hollywood news fucking like sting, you know? Hollywood yeah, but you're not news. always going to get gold stories like Gerard Butler and what you're about to fucking talk about. Now, this is the problem. I closed out the thing. I'm looking for it. Here it is. I found it. It's on cbsnews.com. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg says... Uh, he asks God to forgive him for boogie nights. <laughs> 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 All right. <clears throat> Chicago. Mark Wahlberg regrets his turn in, as a porn star in the 1997 film Boogie Nights. The Catholic actor says he hopes God won't hold the movie against him. Wahlberg told the Chicago Tribune, Chicago, ahead of uh, an event with Chicago Cardinal Blaise Kuplich or Kubich. Uh, on Friday, that he hopes that God is a movie fan and it also is forgiving because he says he's made some quote-unquote poor choices. <laughs> um, uh, Wahlberg listed Boogie Nights when asked if he prayed for forgiveness for any of his movies. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. This is a guy who well, helped, helped no, no, a, jetty, a teddy bear jerk off Tom Brady in a film and he's worried about Boogie Nights. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. He's, he's done two Transformers movies. I mean, uh, yeah. he's got a lot more to atone for, buddy. Yeah, yeah, but that's more about Rotten Tomatoes rather than fucking God. Um, if I could go back, it, if I could go back and change a lot of things that I did, I would. <laughs> I look for ways to give it. Oh my God, this reminds me. Holy shit, I forgot. This is because we didn't do a podcast the other week. Story of the Decade. You know the story about Mark Wahlberg beating up the Asian guy, right? Yeah. Right. Did we talk about this? I don't know. If we, we certainly haven't talked about it on the podcast. No, not on the podcast, no. I think many, we talked about it at work. Many moons ago, Mark Wahlberg, when he was a young, angry teenager living in Boston, um, was, uh, he, you know, like as you when, you when you're 17 years old or whatever, you're angry and you're fucking running with the wrong people and shit happens. And, and you live in Boston. And you live in Boston yeah. and it's a rough time because it's 1989. I believe, or 88, somewhere around there. And uh, and look, no no excuses or anything, but what ended up happening was he uh, racially abused a Vietnamese uh, convenience store owner and chased him down the street and beat him really, really badly. So the story's always been that the Asian Vietnamese guy lost an eye. And so Mark Wahlberg's responsible for blinding this dude um, and, you know, racial slurs and everything like that. And the way I understand the story, that he, he actually did like 45 days in jail. Um, mm. And this is as a minor. He was like 17, I think. Um, and perhaps he got released when he turned 18 or something. I don't know how it worked. But anyway, um, that's when Donnie Wahlberg, famous for at this stage, he was huge globally from New Kids on the Block, decided to step in and sort of take a little bit of responsibility uh, and created Marky Mark's career, essentially. He fucking, he built the... Uh, or at least engineered the whole Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch thing to give uh, Mark Wahlberg direction to get him off the streets. And, mm. of course, he had a couple of global hits and um, became an underwear model and the rest is history, you know. Uh, again, I might have that story wrong. That's just what I remember from hearing things. However, somebody the other day tracked down the, the old Vietnamese guy and asked him to tell the story. He's like, no, he didn't take my eye. I lost the eye fighting the Viet Cong. 
Oh my God. If you'll excuse my terrible accent, that's just more there for effect. But <laughs> so all these years, Mark Wahlberg's walking around going, "Man, I blinded some poor guy, and now I'm a megastar." And this is kind of shitty and unfair. He didn't. He just beat the guy. He goes the guy goes something along the lines of, "I'm look, I'm not going to say it didn't hurt when he beat the shit out of me, uh, and that it wasn't a problem, but he didn't blind me." And he goes, "I'm sure he's grown up to be a responsible man. He's cool, you know. Like he doesn't have to apologize for anything." I'm like. Fucking how hardcore is that old dude? And and so, I mean, I, I'm smelling a reality show. You know, <laughs> I want to see I want to see the 60 Minutes episode where Marky Mark confronts his demons and goes back and meets the guy from the old neighborhood that he kicked the shit out of, and called the G word. You know. Um, oh my god. You know, I'm like, <laughs> shit. But I read that, I was just in tears. I'm like, no, that's amazing. This guy's just like, no, fuck that kid. He didn't take my eye. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah because i've told that story a hundred times about how mark Wahlberg blinded some dude you know <laughs> oh my god so hopefully god will forgive him for that rather than boogie nights who knows yeah um uh how long have we got 45 yeah i uh let's get on to big mouth so there's been it's it's a very controversial show that's been on uh, netflix very recently nick kroll is the executive producer and star of, and does most of the voices and stuff. But uh, you got talent in there, like, you know, visits from Kristen Wiig, Maya Rudolph. Um, um, uh, Will Arnett is not in it. I just want to point that out. You, you'll think <laughs> that he is, but it's not. It's Nick Kroll doing Will Arnett. Um, what else? Um, who else is in it? Oh, God. There's, there's a bunch of cameos, surely. Um, oh, probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But either way, whatever. It's... At its core, it's a story about a couple of teenagers, a group of, you know, um, I guess early, early, like high school kids, yeah. uh, junior high kids, yeah. um, who are going through puberty and how it's just ravaging their whole lives, you know, <laughs> and it's it's sort of uh, manifested in, in, the, in this creature called the hormone monster and the hormone monstrous for the girls. Um, and it's, I guess the spin is that it's kind of like, imagine if, say, Rick and Morty and their irreverent sort of, loopy comedy um focused on that awkward teen period and no holds barred like every nightmarish thing that ever happened to you going through puberty they make a joke out of yeah pretty much and it normalizes it this is my argument like this petition some chick apparently got a hundred thousand signatures online to get it removed from netflix and shit because it was like i don't know more because it shattered her worldview yeah um but I guess what to me that just shows a lack of understanding of what teenagers go through when they're growing up, you know, because to me, I related to a lot of what goes on in that show. You know, I think everybody does because something weird happens to you. And the worst thing that can happen is that your understanding is that it's only happening to you and it makes you weird and unusual and and you're embarrassed and freaked out. Um, And a show like this is a way that teenagers are going to look at it and rather than go fucking grown ups trying to tell me what to do. They're going to be like, this is like Rick and Morty telling me about shit that's embarrassing. And mm. now I don't have to be embarrassed about it because I can see that it happens to everybody, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And to me, that's the huge, that's the immediate thing I took from it. And not only that, the comedy is stellar. It's fucking spectacular. Every line in the show is quotable. Some of the greatest characters I've ever seen on, on a Netflix exclusive. Um, uh, fucking Jay, the fucking party wolf. Woo! Um, but yeah, that like it's just 
balls to the wall, pristine irreverence. You know, like it's just brutally gross, nasty, everything you want in like a, a like gross out comedy. Um, but pitch perfect performances because everybody in the cast is a seasoned veteran when it comes to comedy or stand up or all that sort of stuff, you know. Yeah, voice um, acting. Yeah, so uh, dude, stunning. So yeah, what what what's your take? Like, what's some of your takeaways? From the- <laughs> oh man, uh, I think I think Maya Rudolph is a treasure. Oh my god, she's good. She so she good. needs to be put in a museum and preserved forever. <laughs> yeah. Like my god. She fucking killed me that whole show, and she doesn't come in till like episode two, yeah, or three. yeah, yeah. Because you know, there's no need because she's the female hormone monster, and up until that point, yeah. you're really just dealing with the boys. Um, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> but holy fuck, man, um, Jesse is like one of my favorite characters because she's just so. Because like I don't know, I'm so used to fictional female characters that are just so female, but she's just cool. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, she's 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 obviously she's she's the probably the toughest character in the show. She's the one yeah. that doesn't let all this bullshit affect her as much, you know. Like it sucks that she's going through it. Yeah, but there's a few episodes there, you know, like when she absolutely loses a fucking mind at Nick in front of everyone, and yeah, and the, <laughs> yeah. <in> the car. <laughs> that's and her mom just totally gets it, you know. Yeah, that's like, easily one of my favorite moments in the whole show. <laughs> yeah. And that same episode where Jay was given a shit and she just fucking throat punches him. Yes. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. She just won't take shit from anybody. She's a fucking goddess, you know? Uh, in in, um, in a, like a, what, a 13-year-old girl's body. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, no, it's a good show. It, it brought back some memories and <laughs> feelings and I was not, like, holy shit. Not this all is fucking... of them good. But, like, you got to remember, no. dude, I'm 40, right? Um, And so for me... A lot of that shit's a distant memory. I'd forgotten about all those awkward sh- moments. You know what I mean? And, and mm. if anything, if I was a parent, um, you know, there's all these parents going, oh, I don't want my kids watching this shit. They should watch this shit because it might give them a little bit of understanding about what their kids are going through. You know? Yeah. Um, because... I mean, fuck that, man. I'll just put it on for the kids. Yeah, like, exactly. Let them educate themselves through fucking... I've, I've, I've said it to multiple people. Just replace all sex ed in schools with big mouth and you'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, the world will understand each other. There'll be fucking, like, no more war. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody be cool, you know? Um, we should start, like, a counter-petition <laughs> to the other petition. My favorite thing in the whole show is how, An- how Andrew jerks off. <laughs> like, he puts on the soft music, and yeah. he gets out the music stand, and he puts whatever he's prepared. Got it, yeah. Like, like lingerie catalog for that week. Yeah. And he spreads fucking, it all out. And fucking, fucking Rock of Gibraltar. It's like, yeah, that's right. It's, it's like, a, it's like a, a ritual, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Fucking genius. I love it so much. But, um, yeah, like, definitely worth a look if you're someone who doesn't take things too seriously and anybody who's ever been a teenager who fucking hated life, you know? Um, which is everybody yeah <laughs> pretty much um, yeah but uh, we should probably move on what's your comic of the week man hang on let me press the button comic of the week comic of the week alright hit it up uh, paper girls okay yeah yeah I don't know if I made a comic of the week I've definitely talked to you about it but um yeah I recently read volume 3 and man I fucking love this book mm-hmm. it's and I know you're a busy guy, but holy shit, 
like you need to get on paper girls it is so up your alley it's fucking ridiculous yeah so hang on um, fill me in again i i think i think you made me look up the artist and stuff like that last time we spoke of it That's uh i'll give you the short version mm-hmm. think 80s yep bunch of girls like paper route girls oh like literally paper girls yeah they right. they deliver papers in the morning and shit okay. awesome. um <clears throat> basically yeah 80s time travel alternate dimensions sick basically if it's basically stranger things if the kids in stranger things had more balls oh nice <laughs> so yeah yeah cool that's that's pretty much what it is mm. okay and it's it's a lot more far-fetched and a lot more sci-fi yeah and stranger things like they they travel to different times and like far in the future and way in the past and it's all fucked up and there's like paradoxes and yeah they they sort of help themselves without even knowing it and shit yeah. like that so okay yeah but not only that it's like coming of age stuff because you know kind of like big mouth they're like that they're at that age where they're sort of hitting puberty and whatnot and they're dealing with a lot of issues in in their own minds and stuff and helping each other out and shit so yeah, yeah. Okay. it's fucking really good I uh, can't recommend it enough. It's written by Brian K. Vaughan, who's also writing Saga. Mm-hmm. Um, I prefer it if he kept writing Saga, to be honest, because fucking <laughs> the wait for that is getting ridiculous. But um, okay, yeah, ah, Paper Girls, do it, get on it, Paper Girls. Yep. All right, sounds like a plan. Um, this is confusing. I've, I've painted myself into a corner with the perspective here. <laughs> Literally. <sighs> yeah, I fucked up um so this is this is something when you just start riffing and you're having an intense conversation while you're drawing sometimes you find yourself getting off topic a little bit and so the mistake that i feel like i've made here is i drew the vanishing point in the horizon line but then i used that straight line as a basis for um you know the 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 floor of the room so uh it sort of puts the the horizon in a in a really weird place whereby if i want to put a wall here for argument's sake coming away from this door frame like that it's sort of um it complicates matters because i can't take it to this vanishing point uh, otherwise that line's going to be way skewed out this way you know it's it sort of makes things a little unusual so i'm going to have to dick around with that for a minute and try and figure out what to do but I've literally used that that one vanishing point to reference pretty much everything in the frame. <laughs> so essentially what's happened is now this is putting the camera at floor level um, because the floor is the horizon, you know? Um, hmm. Which is kind of the opposite of what you wanted to do, wasn't it? Sort of. Well, I wanted the camera low, but this mm. is... But you didn't want it floor level. Um, it's just a little bit weird. I don't know. I can really do much about it now other than i suppose i could move that wall that's probably what i'll do if i if i take out all of this stuff and change the position of it still have my vanishing point where it is um, i was gonna say you sound like someone playing the sims the door here <laughs> let's move this door i'll take the ladder out from the swimming pool yeah. <laughs> uh yeah actually that's what i'm gonna do that's it i'm rubbing all this shit out so there you go never be afraid to go backwards to move forwards people there you go that's 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 the uh that's the takeaway for this podcast <laughs> that, should be, that should be the title 
never be afraid to go to take a step backwards to move forward um um okay so i, I quickly should do my artist focus while i'm doing this um so I, I i guess i've talked about um alex ross before but i don't think i've ever done a an artist focus on him so let's go across to the gallery um so what he's known for and why he's attractive his style is attractive to me while well, he's attractive to me um is uh, obviously he goes for a very photorealistic i guess but without being too photorealistic it's still hyper and still comic booky but i guess what i'm saying is there's way more detail in his work than you'd find in typical comic art um he, you would consider him to be a fine artist as opposed to a comic book artist or uh like a designer a graphic designer a graphic artist that sort of thing yeah i um, think if you want like a great example of his work just look at the cover for kingdom come okay all right look it up that's your homework people <laughs> um he's uh he, he's known for using models and stuff as well so what happens is you get these very realistic interpretations of classic superheroes which is what he's really known for like the Batmans that he paints are very 80s, bat, like 89 Batman. Superman is a very 50s looking bulky sort of dude. He's not like your Henry Cavill. He's like more of like a, the kind of dude you'd see filling out a fucking Superman costume back in the day made of lycra, you know, barrel chested sort of heroes. Um, mm. But what's interesting because he uses models, um, he paints things with such detail that it takes away some of the, um, the stylization i guess of the of the clothing uh so it genuinely just looks like some big bulky bodybuilder guy wearing a spandex costume um whereas i think when a lot of people draw comic book characters in a comic style the costume um a lot of it's left to the imagination and so it just sort of has this feel to it that it's it's this different sort of tangible like part of their being it doesn't look mm. like an outfit that they're wearing, you know, which I find really strange. Like if you look at like, like example here, like I'm looking at this picture now, it's got the Adam West Batman and the costume sort of fits, but it doesn't, there's no muscles in the costume. It's just, he's just kind of a dude who ate a lot of meat, <laughs> you know, Yeah. he's not like ripped. He's, he's, he's a big dude in every time, but there's no definition, no muscle definition, you know, barely even has pecs. He's just barrel chested, um, which was the look of the day. But you can see the way, like he even paints like the little creases in the in the fabric that makes it look fabric. Like you look at a Marvel movie today, and the costumes are uh, designed in such a way with really modern fabrics that there's no creasing or anything like that. It looks literally like part of their skin, you know. Um, and so, I guess what I'm saying is he he has this ability to capture a feeling of nostalgia and a, and a moment in time of what things used to be. And don't get me wrong, he does he does other things as well. Some of his, um, I've seen a few panels from a comic that he actually illustrated. He's usually known for, for uh, covers, um, illustrations, uh, all that sort of thing. He, he, I haven't seen him do a lot of actual comic book art. Um, but what I have seen was exactly like, the same well, quality he, of work. He did the, the infamous, well, the famous um, Crisis on Infinite Earths, like that big, mm. um, I guess, cover. Yeah, but like, yeah, like that. That thing's fucking amazing, dude. He's he's phenomenal. I, I I'm trying to figure out. I think he uses watercolors, um, but in a really sort of um, in a really careful style. He's not like most people use watercolors, just random splashes of paint. But he's he's definitely like a fine artist. He knows 
where to leave space and where to put color and stuff. He's great with fabrics. He's great with things like fire. Um, although he's he he does a stylized type of fire that is very Alex Ross. You know, like there's a picture here of Superman flying out of the sun, and it looks like the sun, and it looks like fire, and um, but it looks like an Alex Ross painting at the same time. Um, yeah, but it's it's beautiful because it's the colors. I mean, for my color blindness and stuff, they they're always a little bit subdued, like almost desaturated. Um, and in, in in that it's not super vibrant, uh, except for certain things. Like I'm looking at Wonder Woman here; her top and pants are super bold compared to the rest of the image, you know. Um, but yeah, he's a he's a fucking masterpiece, and you know this because whenever I see, because I follow him on Instagram, every time he's at a con. Um, he doesn't have a, a table. He has a building. <laughs> like they, <laughs> they have this traveling, I guess, gallery, like a pop-up gallery that I, I have a feeling is even two floors. Like they put it all together within the space, and and he's got like a like a checkout area where there's two chicks running cash registers, and he's got all these pictures hanging in frames, in like a gallery style. Like it literally looks like walking into the Alex Ross gallery on a convention floor. It's phenomenal, um, but I guess he makes a lot of money and he can afford to do those sort of things. Um, but I guess the other thing too is that adds value to his work. Like he's 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 truly a fine artist. He's not some dude who does a cover every once in a while and draws comic books. Um, and I think he likes to keep himself separate from that stuff so that he's the comic industry's fine artist. You know. Mm. Um, and I'm sure there's others too, but just for me, for me, like my experience is he's always been the one standout artist. Um, yeah, like it's uh, this is orders of magnitude different from Sean Murphy, uh, but they're both equally valuable to me. But he like two very different worlds of art, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that's that's about it. I've seen enough of his shtick. Um, so I guess how long we got? We're sort of okay. We're at an hour now, so we can we can finish up. We might talk about White Knight next week. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure like issue two might be up by then. Yeah, anyway. let's let's wait and see where it goes because I think everybody's done a little bit of talk. You you've spoken on, um, sadly the yeah. final episode of Real Issues, yeah, uh, about about this book. Um, but uh, it's it's so far like I think everybody agrees that essentially Murphy's knocked it out of the park with issue one. Um, but let's just see if it can maintain that intensity, you know? Yeah, um, yeah pretty much. Holy shit, like the, it just, it just really reminds me of the Dark Knight Returns, you know? Yeah, yeah. it gives me that kind of vibe as well. Yeah, yeah, like just, I mean, even just the cutting to the newsroom for the, you know, on the, yeah, like, yeah after the moment fucking reports and. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like you could slot that into to Miller's Dark mm. Knight canon, yeah, like I'm, in between year one and Returns. The art style is completely different, but the tone's the same. Yeah. That kind of vibe I get. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, that's enough of that. Let's talk about that another time. <laughs> um, I could go on for an entire podcast about that book. Um, all right. Well, anyway, thanks for checking in. We can only do this with your support. If you like the show, please spread the word. Share our show wherever you can. If you want to listen to the show on your commute, search iTunes for a pretty sketchy podcast. Um, if you're an audio listener and you want to see what I'm doing, check us out on YouTube. Just search for pretty sketchy podcast and subscribe um thanks again michael for joining us and no uh, yeah we'll catch you guys on the next one